The EY Ireland CEO Outlook Report is out now. Search ey.com slash ie slash CEO and discover the key topics on the minds of Ireland's leading CEOs. Hello and welcome to Inside Business with Kieran Hancock, a podcast from the Irish Times. Later in the show, I'll be talking to Golden Disc CEO Stephen Fitzgerald about its plans for a new retail shopping concept which will launch this weekend at the Dundrum Town Centre. But first, we're going to enter the world of professional services. UK corporate restructuring specialist Interpath Advisory hit the headlines here in February when it poached a number of senior partners from KPMG and Deloitte. These included Kieran Wallace and Eamon Richardson of KPMG, perhaps better known for their work as joint liquidators of IBRC, and Ken Fennell of Deloitte. Scott Blair Nimmo heads up the Interpath Group and he joined me on the line to talk about its plans for Ireland. I began by asking him to tell us a little bit about the Interpath Group and why it has decided to expand into the Irish market. The background to Interpath is that, uh, that that spawned from the what was the UK restructuring practice of KPMG. So uh, I, I have been with KPMG or had been with KPMG for, for over 30 years, almost 30 years as a partner. Uh, high regard for the firm. Um, but nevertheless, over the last few years, the increasing trend was for the big four firms to perhaps lose market share to, to many of the boutiques. Uh, and we had, to some extent, resisted the opportunity to, to, to leave the big four at that stage. But it just became progressively untenable. Uh, the, the, the issue due to co- you know, conflicts uh, was, was, was a problem for all big four uh, operators. Um, but in addition to that, aspects of the insolvency that we did didn't entirely fit with the, the wider brand um, and, and also a little bit of bureaucracy. So we had an opportunity um, almost two years ago, we started discussing it on a very consensual basis with KPMG UK as to how we might leave the practice. We explored a number of different options, but ultimately we were put up for sale in a competitive process. Um, and and that, that process lasted approximately six months, um, after which we selected HIG as the preferred bidder, or KPMG selected HIG as the preferred bidder, um, and we proceeded to, towards a transaction in early May of last year, um, whereby we became an independent uh, private equity funded entity called Interpath. And at that, that stage, Interpath brand was created um, to try and represent what we hope to be a, a large international advisory business. So that's that's the background from which we came. We are 570 people strong in the UK. We're the second biggest restructuring practice in the UK. And we hope to expand that dramatically, both in the UK and overseas over the next few years. So why Ireland? Ireland is obviously the second market for you outside the UK. And as I, I mentioned, you've hired some very senior people in, in the Irish market, like Kieran Wallace, uh, Ken Fennell uh, of Deloitte, etc. So why Ireland as the next step? Firstly, when we put our information memorandum together, which is around about a, lot, about a year and a half ago, um, September, October, perhaps, uh, of, of 20, we identified, apart from um, a consolidating our position as a, as a large restructuring business in the UK, we wanted to do two other things strategically. Firstly, was to add on a bunch of additional service lines complementary to our core restructuring business, but but playing to a different economic cycle. And I can maybe talk about them a little bit in a minute. And then, and then the third strand of that was, was developing an international footprint, a genuine international footprint. Not, not a franchise, but a genuine international footprint um, over a period of time. And we identified in that information memorandum three uh, different uh, geographies that we wanted to play in initially, with a view to expanding that, uh, in, into other areas thereafter. First one was the US, for pretty obvious reasons, because they are hugely influential across the globe. And secondly was Ireland, Ireland because we have a long history of working with our Irish colleagues, both in KPMG and, and beyond, 
Um, we obviously speak the same language. The law is not terribly different. And there's a lot of common ground in a variety of different places. In addition to that, Ireland obviously has a close tie to the US. It also is still in the EU. So there's lots of attractions. And, and to get the opportunity to acquire um, six of the biggest, best-known practitioners all at one time was fantastic. It wasn't a dip your toe in the water. It wasn't let's employ one person and open a small office. It's, you know, let's go for this and do it properly by getting the best, best people we can get in town and really, you know, growing that, expanding it quite, quite quickly. That's the plan. So I mentioned uh, some of the partners who have agreed to join you. So Kieran Wallace and Eamon Richardson, uh, for example, uh, Deloitte partners, Ken Fennell, um, Mark uh, Dignan, James Anderson, and I think uh, more recently, Andrew O'Leary uh, of KPMG has also agreed to switch over. When do they actually join the firm? Because there's some, uh, is there gardening leave to be done or are they still, are they still working away with KPMG and Deloitte? They, they are indeed. And obviously we, we have to respect, and rightly so, the, the contractual arrangements they have in place with the, their existing firms. Uh, Andrew, in fact, starts uh, fairly soon. He starts in June. Um, and then, then thereafter, the Deloitte guys, uh, they'll kick off in January of 23. Uh, followed by the Eamon and, and Kieran in, in the residual parts of KPMG, will start in April 23. So it'll be a progressive joining over that, that period, respected and contractual arrangements with existing firms. And just to be clear, they continue to work for those firms, for KPMG and Deloitte in the meantime? They absolutely do. And and, and as you probably picked up in the press, we did have initial discussions with both firms. We, we our, our, our interest in them was predicated on the fact that we would end up acquiring the six individuals and they're building a team round about them. But initially, when we advised KPMG and uh, Deloitte, we did have initial discussions about the possibility of some some form of consensual deal. Uh, we thought we, we thought that potentially unlikely, but nevertheless, we wanted to at least consider it because we thought it was in the best interest of both clients and the staff. But for a variety of reasons, that hasn't actually happened. Um, so we're now, you know, if you like, affecting the plan that we always thought we would be, which is bringing these guys over the progressive period of the next year and then building a team. You'll see Andrew boots on the ground in June, and you progressively see that team expanded through June right through to 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 the early part of next year, when we we expect to have a significant presence uh, right across the country. Okay, but does that not put them in competition with you at least in the short term, until they leave their firms and actually join you? Uh, up to, to, to a limited extent, in the sense that, that uh, when we bring these people in, when Andrew starts, he will be in theory in competition with them. Um, but it's a big market. I'm sure there's plenty of, we will respect. Um, all the the, the non-compete and, and notice arrangements of all the firms, we will absolutely do that. But yes, we want to compete, and in due course, we will be we will be absolutely competing both with KPMG and and with Deloitte, and, and we think we'll be in a very strong position to do so. Unlike the Deloitte and uh, and, and 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 KPMG, um, one we will have no conflicts of interest, and two we will have UK a UK business to 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 work with, which uh, KPMG and Deloitte and Ireland don't have. Blair, I wonder if you can answer this for us, because it was a curiosity at the time of the announcement that Kieran and Eamon, for example, were, were going to be moving over to. Um, they are the joint liquidators of IBRC. That's a, a piece of work that's been going on, I think, since 2013, and it's still got a bit of a, a tail to it, a litigation tail to it. It's mostly resolved at this stage, but there is still some work to be done and could go on for a number of years. Do they take those appointments with them when they join your firm? Well, that's all we've got to be discussed between um, Kieran and, and Eamon. Um, and KPMG and indeed IBRC. So, uh, and we may well have a part to play in that. Clearly, we want to help out um, any client in, in these circumstances. We want to make sure that that uh, the guys discharge their own responsibilities to them. So, it would be hoped that an arrangement will come in, into place 
that will suit everyone involved, but principally, first and foremost, look after the client. So, which is clearly top of uh, Kieran and uh, Eamon's agenda. So, um, at this point, present point in time, there is no arrangement in, in place, but it would be hoped that that will be the case by the time they join uh, at the beginning of uh, 23. Right. So, it could be a situation where, where that work gets shared with KPMG or, or it all comes over? It could be. Uh, as I say, it's not something we've been, we've had direct discussions with KPMG. KPMG about or IBRC, but as you rightly point out, there's an inevitability that that work will continue post uh, January 23, and therefore um, all parties will be looking to come to a sensible arrangement on it. Uh, first and foremost, from Kieran and Aaron's point of view, to look after the client. Yeah, because strictly speaking, there are appointments that are made by the court, isn't that right? So that, that's a, that is a peculiarity of what we do. You're absolutely right, is that they're all personal appointments in our own name. I have many, many in my own name, and likewise, so it's a peculiarity. Whilst we all work for our respective firms, the actual appointments are legally in our own name. So you're right, there's, there's that uh, slight oddity about the, the world of restructuring. Sure. What services will you be offering, Blair, in the Irish market? Well, we very much, the, the full suite of restructuring services we'll be offering. We do that in the UK, right up and down the UK. We will replicate that in Ireland uh, very much as the guys have been performing in the past. The beautiful part about uh, both the Deloitte guys and the KPMG guys is, you know, their, their, their skills are relatively complementary. Their client base is complementary. So, you know, we hope to be effectively make one-on-one make two uh, or beyond that, in fact. So um, we, we will offer the full suite of restructuring services. But in addition to that, uh, what we spent the last uh, 10, 11 months doing in the UK is adding a bunch of additional services to make it a more broader-based business. These services being things like forensic, things like valuations, things like debt advisory, uh, M&A, diligence and tax. So progressively in the UK in the last 10, 11 months, we have added these additional services and we will do something very, very similar in Ireland. Um, it might be tailored a little bit more to the Irish market. So, for example, the guys all have an interest in doing one or two other additional services, maybe in the areas of, for example, aviation uh, or even shared services peculiar to Ireland itself. So they'll be, be working with the UK business to develop these services, but they will nevertheless be standalone in Ireland. Um, you know, Interpath Island will be run by the Irish guys. Um, in, in an autonomous basis, but, but not as a franchise, uh, very much different from that which we experience as part of a big four. We will have we have one common ownership. We're all invested in the same in the same business. We have one common financial interest, and we'll go to the market as one common team. So that's where the major difference is beyond the conflict of interest side uh, from operating a big four environment. Yeah, and just in terms of the UK, Blair, was it this conflict of interest, and was it kind of regulatory uh, pressure? which led ultimately to your firm being spun out uh, of KPMG. And there have been some reputational issues from KPMG in relation to some um, uh, some of the work it had done, some of the restructuring work it had done. There have been some fines and so forth, um, a lot of negative publicity around. So was that the driver behind the foundation of your company, if you like? Very much so. And conflict of interest has been a huge issue for, for particularly the last few years, both in actual conflict and perceived conflict. And, and all the bigger firms, the big four firms, are, have been under uh, extreme scrutiny in that area, both by the media, uh, by the politicians, etc. So they're more conscious of it than other uh, than, than, than ever. And, and so, as a consequence of that, all the big four firms um, have had to take a very careful view on, on on the type of work they do in our space, which in some cases has made it quite difficult. Some cases where we we have no actual conflict but there is a perceived thin conflict and therefore we just couldn't do it. So every firm's had to be very careful. 
outside restructuring itself. There's been a lot of scrutiny on the quality of audits, etc. So the, 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 the big four firms have been under a huge amount of media uh, pressure, political pressure in that space. And, and, and to some extent, the high profile nature of insolvency bring, brings you into that field. So, the, you know, the Interpath is, 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 a, is a much more simpler vehicle. It will, it will not do audit work. It will never will do audit work. And therefore, the conflict position will be far less problematical than, than ever in a big four firm. Um, but don't get me wrong, we, we expect to, to uphold the highest of standards. We're all, by definition, ex-Big Four. Um, you know, I train Big Four. I spent 30-odd years at KPMG, so we will be top top quality service uh, uh, for all our clients in the exact same way as, as, as the Big Four performed. So in that sense, there'll be no real difference. But we hope to be able to be a little bit more agile in, in our approach in, in the sense of quicker decision-making um, and less bureaucratic. But the biggest challenge is one conflict uh, of interest. Three, two is that international footprint operating with one common purpose, and three is that agility and, and lack of bureaucracy. Um, Blair, in the last uh, couple of years, because of COVID and because the government put in place such a, a comprehensive package of supports for businesses, we've seen a lower than normal level of restrictions take, uh, taking place in the market. I'm talking about you know insolvencies examinerships, liquidations, etc. Certainly, uh, we, we might have expected a lot more given the pressures that business businesses were facing because of lockdown restrictions and so forth. But the government managed to underpin those businesses with various uh, support schemes, which was great. And obviously, it saved a lot of businesses uh, from going to the wall. But we're now having those supports withdrawn. So I'm just wondering what your expectation is, let's say over the next 12 to 18 months, uh, in terms of the number of businesses that might be coming to the likes of you um, to, to seek help with an insolvency, an examinership, an administration, um, possibly a liquidation, who knows? Are we going to see that shoot up as the, as the supports are withdrawn and these businesses suddenly find that, you know, they can't survive? I mean, your comments are absolutely right. I mean, I think what we saw, to be honest, right across the world, not just in Ireland, the UK, but government support coming to the party to 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 assist in, in what could have been calamitous. And so many businesses have navigated their way through a very tough time. Um, a lot of these measures, as you say, either have been withdrawn or are progressively being withdrawn. And to, to added to that, of course, we've had the recent issues with um, inflation, su- supply uh, issues, skill shortages. And then more recently, obviously, the, the, the horrible problem in, in Russia and Ukraine. Um, that would suggest that, you know, we're, we've got some pretty strong headwinds out there. Um, and I think most most commentators feeling at the moment is, yes, it will become busier. Um, likely timing for that busier, perhaps somewhere between Q3 of this calendar year and Q1 next calendar year is when most people expect it to get busy. Will it will it get uh, crazy busy? I don't think so. But I think we certainly will see an upturn in, in, in activity both to assist companies navigating through difficult times and obviously, as sadly, one or two insolvencies. And aside from that, there'll be lots of work in other areas like the M&E piece, like the diligence piece, like you know the forensic and valves work that we talked about earlier on. So we see it as a great time to enter Ireland as a, to, get a, to get a bunch of guys of this quality and the stature together all in the one group at the one time in that these circumstances is pretty exciting. And then to build that name and build that branding beyond just restructuring into an all-rounded um, financial advisory business, and then to expand that beyond beyond just Ireland and the UK. But you know, we have other deals in play at the moment in other parts of the world, which will hopefully get announced in due course, becoming a genuinely international business. Yeah, sure. I just wonder, in in terms of Ireland, um, is part of the play here the fact that we're obviously a hub 
for a lot of international uh, businesses. It's not just about servicing the local market, clearly. It's about servicing international clients. And somebody suggested to me recently that if if there's a piece of work, international work um, going on, it could be based out of uh, could be based out of Dublin. Um, and you know, this is one of the attractions um, for a company like Interpass uh, to Ireland. Not very much. So, I mean, absolutely critical. We clearly, Ireland is still in the EU, so it's an access point from our point of view. Um, it's uh, it's got very close tie-ins with uh, the US. It's also got one or two um, sector sector. Uh, specialisms like aviation, all of that is of interest to us and in a, in a wide aspect of what we do, not just in in in, in pure restructuring and business in difficulty, but in value creation, which we already do as restructuring operations. So we can see huge benefits in, in Ireland and, and really growing that team. We want, to, we want to grow it significantly and grow it quite quickly. We don't, we're not talking about a 10-year plan here. We're talking about uh, being a very significant uh, uh, advisory business within Ireland within a relatively short, i.e. two, three-year period. Yeah, you spoke to Joe Brennan, my colleague in the Irish Times uh, there um, recently, and we had a story earlier in the week. You're talking about 30 to 40 people uh, within 12 months and I think 120 staff within the next three to four years. Would that make you the number one in the market or where, where would it position you? We think so. I mean, it depends obviously how the market plays out, how the different services start to grow. But yes, our aspiration is, is first and foremost to be the number one restructuring business. And then beyond that, build up all these other advisory businesses and to, to, to number one in their own respective markets. So, so yeah, we, we see the restructuring side is definitely within our grasp in the relatively short order, given what's happening to the market. Um, but, the, but the other businesses are equally as important to us. And the, 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 the sort of aspiration for Interbath as a group is, is very much to add on uh, a significant element of our business to be non-restructuring um, right across the globe. And Ireland will be a key part of that. Many of the world's biggest aircraft leasing companies are actually based in Ireland, and obviously they're trying to figure out what impact um, the, the war between Russia and Ukraine is going to have on their business and uh, all the aircraft that they have in Russia, how they're going to sort out that mess, uh, if you like. Is that something that Interpath uh, will be advising on? It, it is indeed. In fact, we, we've already had some work in that in that area and are speaking to clients in that specific area right at this point in time. So you're absolutely right that the island is, it has got a special niche in that part uh, in that sector, and, and we hope to play a, a strong part in it. Are we heading for a recession, Blair, in your opinion? And is, would that be a good thing for your business? It's a very difficult thing to say. I mean, clearly, two you know, a bit years ago, people were talking about, or two years ago, talking about COVID creating some monumental tsunami of insolvencies. That didn't happen for the reasons that you suggested, because of government support. Um, I, I suspect the exact same situation uh, is in play now. If indeed it, it, you know, things start to get particularly difficult, there'll be more government support to prevent that. So I do not see some huge recession. I do see uh, an increase. I mean, we're currently operating in pure insolvency terms at, at levels significantly below pre-COVID. And, and pre-COVID was not especially busy insolvency period. So I do think naturally it will get busy as a consequence of, of, of what's happening in the economy. But I do not necessarily see any tsunami of, of paperwork. And the way we're going to broaden our business means that we can play to all different economic cycles and not just purely one that's that's recessionary based. Now, presumably in the Irish market, KPMG and Deloitte are going to be coming after you, aren't they? They're not just going to uh, let you take their some of their best people away and simply uh, let you have the market to yourself. They're going to be coming after you. Well, both of them are fantastic firms. I say I was at KPMG 30 years, huge regard for KPMG. I left in very good terms. Our exit from KPMG was entirely consensual. Likewise, Deloitte, fantastic business. Um, but I do think that what's happening in the restructuring market, it is moving away from the big four. I do not think that the big four 
um, uh, operating and restructuring in Ireland is, is sustainable. For example, both KPMG and Deloitte have lost their UK practices. And indeed, KPMG has lost other restructuring practices in other parts of the world. I, I don't think that's sustainable. So in pure restructuring terms, I, I, you know, I think we'll be in a very strong position being conflict-free with that UK support, with that support elsewhere in the globe. It will not be a franchise system. It will be a full-blown uh, one common P&L, one common financial interest. And I think that will give us a, a significant advantage in the market. Of course, the, the, the guys at KPMG and Deloitte do all sorts of other uh, uh, services and do them very well. And we, we, we look forward to competing uh, against them in that market. Okay, Blair Nimmo, we wish you well and do keep in touch with us. Thank you for joining Inside Business. Thank you very much indeed. Thank you. We're going to take a short break now. When I return, I'll be talking to Golan Dis CEO Stephen Fitzgerald about its plans to launch a new retail concept in Dundrum later this week. Back in a few moments. With increasing pressures, Ireland CEOs are working hard to navigate the rapidly evolving business landscape. The EY Ireland CEO Outlook Report takes a deeper dive into the topics that are on the minds of Irish CEOs at the moment, and importantly, the issues that leaders should be paying attention to. Discover the key actions to consider as you seek to reshape the future of your organisation at ey.com slash ie slash CEO. Welcome back. This is Inside Business with Kieran Hancock. For generations of Irish people, Golden Discs was the place they went to buy their music and DVDs. Online shopping, Netflix and the pandemic have all threatened its business model, but the company continues to invest in bricks and mortar retail. This weekend, it'll open a new retail concept in the Dundrum Town Centre. And here to tell me all about it is Golden Disc CEO Stephen Fitzgerald. Stephen Fitzgerald, welcome to Inside Business. Tell us about this new retail concept that you have called Pop. Thanks, Kieran. It's great to be here. So Pop is ostensibly uh, popular culture and merchandise that's that's dedicated to super fans and lovers of popular culture, be it film, TV, or music. Uh, we've been seeing a huge increase in demand for for this type of product over recent years throughout our stores. And we figured that the time has come for a dedicated store, dedicated space to serve this growing market. And it's a big shop, uh, Stephen. It's 2,000 square feet. Uh, is that the old HMV um, as was in in Dundrum? It is. It used to be Virgin Megastore, and then it was a Zavi, and later a HMV. And we've been there now for the past six or seven years. So it is our flagship store. It's 10,000 square feet. And the pop store within that will be in excess of 2,000 square feet uh, as a set of, of pop culture merch. So everything from T-shirts and hoodies to bags, stationery, games, figurines and collectibles. Okay, so it's a store within a store, essentially, which is interesting. It's a store within a store, exactly, exactly. So, I mean, you're probably familiar with Marvel and DC, uh, Game of Thrones, Star Wars, Harry Potter... Uh, a lot of franchises like that, but also a lot of growing subgenres like manga and Pokemon, uh, as well as all your favorite bands, the Stones, uh, Metallica, ACDC, uh, something for everybody, really. Now, Golden Disc is, is uh, 60 years old, I believe. Your, your dad, Jack, was a co-founder of the business. There have obviously been lots of highs and lows. I know uh, you were in examinership um, post the crash. Uh, who wasn't, I suppose? <laughs> Um, but the music business has been, music retail has been fundamentally challenged, hasn't it, over the past uh, 15 years between streaming and file sharing and uh, recession. Uh, and uh, of course, more recently, the pandemic. So tell us a little bit about how Golden Discs is trading at the minute and how you've managed to reinvent yourself, if you like. It has been fundamentally challenged, Kieran. Yeah, you're right. Um, 
it's been something of a roller coaster ride, really. I mean, if you go back to the 80s and 90s, the arrival of the international giants, Virgin Megastore, Tower, HMV, our price, etc. And then we have the supermarkets, below cost selling. Um, we have the uh, iTunes, digital downloads, the arrival of MP3, file sharing, piracy. It really was a very contested space and a very difficult and arduous journey. Um, but the company's been very agile. We've been quick on our feet. Uh, we have a great team of staff and very loyal customers. And uh, we've gotten through it um, in, in, the, in recent years, in the past few years, we've, ex- we've seen a massive increase in sales of vinyl records. And, and that's been driving a lot of our recent growth. So when we talk about vinyl, are we talking about, you know, the old, uh, the records of old, I suppose there would have been a good trade in, in secondhand records, uh, secondhand vinyl. Are we talking about new releases on vinyl um, and which is working better? Absolutely. Um, new releases where, where the labels are able to get them manufactured, but increasingly um, legacy releases as well, what we call catalogue albums. So albums that are 10, 20, 30 years old. Um, there is a shortage of vinyl at the moment as there is with every, everything else, I hear you say. Um, so there are long lead times in order for the labels to get vinyl manufactured. Um, I believe Record Store Day for next year is already uh, lined up uh, with the pressing plants to have it manufactured. So there are shortages there. But yes, uh, most uh, albums now that are being released, new releases will come on the vinyl format as well as CD. Right, what about CDs? Um, how are they performing? Yeah, CD has been holding up quite well. I mean, it's obviously a, a much smaller um, share of where it used to be years ago. It has declined a lot over the last 15 years. But the markets that, that is there now is very resilient and is holding up. I think a lot of people like the format. Um, it is a higher sound quality file than listening to a streaming product. So I think people like it for that reason. Um, and we're finding, actually, in the last year, we've seen a slight rise in CD sales. So for us, it's still, it's still a very important format and, and a big part of what we offer. And Stephen, when you say that vinyl is kind of back to where it was in the 1980s, uh, what are we talking about there in, in terms of uh, volumes? How many, how many units, are you, how many vinyl albums, uh, let's say, are you shifting every year? Well, it's constantly evolving landscapes. What I can tell you as a share of our turnover now, uh, it's anything between 40 and 50% contribution in, in a given week, in a given store. So, uh, and that's probably doubled from where things were pre-COVID. Well, that's, that's, uh, that's interesting. All right. Let's talk about COVID. What impact did it have on the business? Well, it's certainly been a very challenging two years, I think, for, for, for many uh, retailers and for many businesses and industries. I mean, if you had told me two years ago that your business will close down for four and a half months in each of the following two years, uh, I would have said we wouldn't wouldn't be possible to survive. Um, but it's been uh, it's been a very challenging time. But we've seen huge growth in our online business. We've seen certain formats like DVD and visual have been very challenged, but others like vinyl and merchandise that we've just been talking about. We've seen exponential growth. So it's been, um, it's been a very interesting time. It's been a very challenging time. Um, we're certainly glad that it's in the rearview mirror. And in terms of turnover, what impact would it have had, let's say, last year on your sales? Well, certainly our, our retail business has taken a very significant decline in sales last year. But a lot of that has been made up in our, in our online business. 
Tell us about that pivot to online. Were you doing it before the pandemic and how big a part of your business now is it? We were. We had launched uh, the web store in 2018 and we were just kind of finding our feet around 2019. So um, the timing was well and that we'd had time to kind of iron out a lot of the kinks and to scale it up. And we were able to meet the demand that came um, uh, through the pandemic in 20 and 21, particularly during the lockdown periods. Um, Probably pre-COVID, it would have been in terms of turnover, maybe a midstream store. Today, it is uh, it's certainly our number one store. Now, when you talk about a midstream store, what, what do you mean by that? Oh, sorry, I mean like in terms of where it would fit in the family of the 23 stores. It would, in terms of turnover and, and share, it would have been somewhere around the middle of the business. But it's now head and shoulders, uh, our, our number one store. Okay. And in terms of group turnover, what percentage would, would that be? Uh, depending on the time of the year, it could be anything up to a quarter of our turnover. Wow, interesting. Now, a lot of people might be interested by the fact that you're still investing in bricks and mortar retail when, you know, so many other retailers seem to be going in the other direction. And especially when, I guess, you can you can tune into Spotify, you can sign up for Spotify or you can tune in for free to YouTube or just do a Google search for uh, music, etc. And it's all on our phones and we have our phones with us uh, 24-7 almost. So how is your business model designed to withstand all of that pressure? Yeah, I think uh, Spotify and streaming services are, are a fantastic way to discover new music. It's, it's generally in, in a device that's in your pocket. It's very accessible. It's very good value. But when people find music that they love and they really like, they increasingly want to own it um, for a variety of reasons. For some people, it's the tangibility. For some people, it's the artwork, the sleeve notes, the lyrics. For other people, it's the sound quality. But increasingly, the preferred medium of ownership is vinyl. And so we've seen exponential growth over the last number of years, and we see that continuing. So absolutely, we're, we're very bullish about the format. Uh, we have opened a number of stores in recent years. And uh, apart from the pop project this weekend, we'd certainly see ourselves opening more music stores later this year. How many? Uh, probably too early to say, but I, I would think more than one and perhaps less than three. <laughs> All right, one or two, so. Um, and in terms of pop, is, is pop a one-off uh, for Dundrum, or is this a concept you might take elsewhere? We have big plans for pop. I mean, the, the store that's opening in Dundrum this week is our is our really the first time to give a dedicated space to it. But we want to take the learnings from this project and then roll that into the other GD stores. We might even do some pop standalone stores and perhaps launch its own dedicated website as well. I should ask you, Stephen, are you, yeah, are you signed up to Spotify or any of the other music streaming services? I am, I am. I, I seldom find the time to listen to it, but I am on Spotify for sure. Right. What's your favorite music? Oh, God, you put me on the spot now. Uh, I, it tends to play itself and it just kind of jumps onto playlists, a kind of uh, new music playlists. So I like to listen to those and try and keep abreast of what's coming. And just in terms of bricks and mortar uh, retail, you take somewhere like Dundrum Town Centre. I mean, it's well known for for you know charging substantial rents are you able to make a profit uh, in that kind of environment yeah dundrum is a, is a very successful store for us and is trading very well at the moment obviously the last 2 years um have been an exception to that rule but we have done deals with a number of our landlords um through covid and we have also availed of of various government grants and incentives such as rates breaks but um in answer to your question no, dundrum is a profitable store absolutely and the future of retail, generally, Stephen, are you are you positive about it? 
Well, we've, we've just come out of a very challenging two years, and I think now we're in a very uh, challenging and different economic landscape that even we couldn't have predicted three months ago. Discretionary spend is definitely going to come under pressure, but I think the importance of the offer and, and more than ever, the value for money are going to come to the fore, and um, we're very confident that we have a good product, that it's well-positioned and well-priced. So... Um, it's going to be challenging, but we're pretty confident about what lies ahead. And obviously, Pop, you're hoping to uh, tap into this uh, merchandise market and, and people's interest in the likes of Game of Thrones and Harry Potter and Marvel and, and so on. Just just wondering, uh, the evolution of music sales as a kind of a percentage of your overall uh, turnover. Um, how big is music now uh, as part of the overall group? You know, what, what would it have been five years ago? And where do you see it in five years' time? Is something like merchandise... Is that going to be a much bigger part of your business? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, if you go back five years, music on all formats was probably a third of our business. And visual product like DVD, Blu-ray and high def was close to two thirds. And merch and a lot of these new products were very, very small, maybe one or two percent. Now that's completely inverted. We've seen that our visual product has been very challenged. A lot of people, um, as you know, anecdotally are streaming off various different services but music has come back to the fore. We've seen huge growth in vinyl, CD, also some growth in the last year. So that is now two-thirds of our business. It's completely inverted to visual. And merchandise, and, and we're doing a lot of hardware, turntables, accessories, headphones, speakers, things of that nature. Um, uh, huge growth in the last two years. And our growth plans for the coming two years are really based around a lot of these new products. And what do you expect to be your bestseller in this new pop store? I think T-shirts. We have a really extensive range now, probably close to 150 T-shirts uh, from bands, from films, uh, characters from TV shows, uh, all of the coolest merch. And these are being recycled and refreshed every month. So uh, I, I think this is going to be the biggest category there. But also a lot of kind of uh, bespoke product for super fans, um, figurines, collectibles, a lot of very niche products. Uh, very exciting things, higher value. Um, but again, we think there's, um, there's, there should be good demand for those also. Okay, Stephen Fitzgerald of Golden Discs. We wish you luck with the new shop and thank you for joining Inside Business. Okay, that's it for this week from Inside Business. My thanks to Blair Nimmo and Stephen Fitzgerald for joining me on the show. The program was produced by Jennifer Ryan. Thanks also to our sponsor, EY, for its continued support. Remember, you can get the latest business news straight into your inbox by signing up to our business today, email at irishtimes.com. And you can also follow the Irish Times business feed on Twitter, LinkedIn and Facebook each day. I'm Kieran Hancock. Until next time, take care.